Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com.
again. Welcome to Peckway Church. This is the night that we've all been waiting for, Christmas Eve. Thank you so much for taking the time to spend your evening with us here tonight as we celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. That is worshiping the best giver of all, Jesus. And so tonight we're going to celebrate by singing praises to the King, reflecting on the stories of changed lives and encountering his presence and then responding to him by giving back. So would you stand to your feet as we sing together tonight, giving glory to our King, Jesus. Have a seat. 
Well, once again, thanks again for being here at Peckway Church tonight with us. My name is Scott Munson. I'm the worship pastor here, and it's such a great honor and privilege to be with you tonight celebrating the birth of our Savior, Jesus. When you came in tonight, I believe you got a program. I'm going to invite you to take a look inside of there. There is a gray connection card there online. Thanks for those who are viewing with us tonight. You can also find a connection card. It's going to be in the chat window there. But uh, simply take a moment, fill out that card tonight, and I'll tell you the reason reason why is because we're going to be giving away two gift cards tonight, two gas cards that we're going to give away. Um, so we'll draw those, those names later in the week, and then we'll contact you and let you know if you won one of those cards. But the only way that I can do that is if you connect with me. And so one of the things we love to do here at Peckway Church is to connect each other people with God and one another. And so this is simply the best way I can do that because I didn't get to shake everybody's hand tonight, but I got to, to meet some of you guys. And so um, but that would be a great way that we can do that. So you can do that here in person and online as well tonight. Also, kids, when you came in, you got a goodie bag. So if you didn't get one of those, you can get up and run out there and get one. Well, don't run. Maybe take your time. Walk out there and get a goodie bag. But uh, there's some things in there to, to follow along with. I think tonight, uh, Miss Missy, our kids director, did some things. So um, some keywords to listen for, things like that, I believe, that are in there as well. So, But once again, thank you so much for being here with us tonight, celebrating our Lord and Savior and King Jesus. And also, I want to invite you back tomorrow morning. If you want to come out and be with us, we'd love to have you here at 1030 tomorrow morning as we celebrate on Christmas Day as well. Well, let's go ahead and get started tonight. We're going to obviously be walking through the nativity scene, talking about Jesus, right, and the birth of Jesus. But, you know, have you ever wondered what that first Christmas might have been like? To think what it may have been like for Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men. Maybe how did they feel? What did they experience? And, of course, we don't have their actual feelings recorded for us to read. But tonight, I want to invite you to take a journey with us and to consider uh, how each character in the Christmas story may have felt when they were chosen to play a part in the story of God's great love for the world through the birth of Jesus. Now, did you notice I said the word chosen? Maybe that's something you've never thought about before uh, when you heard the Christmas story. Perhaps you just thought it was just random. But did you know that the Bible says that you are chosen? It's true. God chose you before the world ever began. In fact, he's chosen every one of us to be a part of his kingdom. And he also has an incredible plan for our lives if we're willing to accept it. And we can find this in the Bible in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen to what it says. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Let me read that again. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. See, I told you, he chose us, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So tonight, we're going to see and hear how the people who were chosen to be visited by the divine weren't chosen because they were famous, they weren't influencers, they weren't political powerhouses, they didn't have any of those kind of things. But the reason God chose them is because he wanted everyone to know that this message is for all of us, the message of Jesus. No matter if we're young, old, rich, poor, everyone. And so he took the everyday ordinary and he made it extraordinary. 
And he wants to take your life and make it extraordinary too. You too are chosen. And it's my hope that as you hear the message of Jesus tonight, that your heart will be changed forever, just like Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the wise men. We begin with Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's seen a lot as Jesus has grown up, and she's stored it all in her heart. She never set out to be the mother of the Messiah, but when God asked her, she said yes. Let's read her story, and then we'll watch as she tells us about her experience that night. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. He was a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true and then the angel left her. As long as I can remember, we'd been waiting for the Messiah to come for us. My family, our tribe, our whole nation. I always knew that he'd come, but... <laughs> well, let's be honest, it's not like I'm from Jerusalem or someplace special. I'm just a girl from Nazareth. And everybody knows that not much good comes from Nazareth, never has. I thought for sure that Angel had come to the wrong house with his announcement. But if that's what God wanted, well, who was I to tell him he was wrong? And Joseph, well, God bless that wonderful man. He could have joined in with everybody else. He could have had me sent away. He could have even had me killed. But he just never broke the promise to marry me. And so when he had to go to Bethlehem for the census, I was honored to ride by his side. Even with heartburn and bloated cankles and nine months of pregnancy behind me. You know those women who try different things to induce labor, like going on frequent walks or eating spicy foods? What they should do is go on a bumpy 70-mile trip to Bethlehem. Because not long after I got there, and I'd never done this myself, but even I knew it was time. And with every wave of pain, I tried to ignore the fact that my family wouldn't be there to help me that I'd be bringing this baby into the world without the familiarity of home. 
But when Jesus finally came, I forgot all of that, though. I just wrapped him in cloths and tried to make the most comfortable bed I could for him with the only thing I had, which was an animal's feeding trough. Joseph said I should have been sleeping then, but I couldn't stop staring at him. There he was. The one the angel had told me about. My heart was so full, I couldn't even find words big enough to express it. first young mother to bring a child into this world. It's always been that way. But as I look down at my son, <laughs> my redeemer, I knew that he would change everything because he'd already changed me. as we sing Away in a Manger together. Oh. 
please be seated. You know, the Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Joseph, Jesus' earthly father. But what we do know is that he was a humble man who was faithful to obey God. And he respected others, was responsible, and he worked hard to provide for his family. Now, as you can imagine, Joseph was shocked to find out that his fiance was pregnant. And of course, he wasn't the father. But God chose Joseph. And even though Joseph may have wondered why, God had a plan. And as a result of Joseph's obedience, he became the earthly father of the Savior of the world, Jesus. Let's listen to his story found in Matthew chapter 1. It says, This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. It was the scariest, um, most difficult, confusing, exciting, most wonderful day of my life. I mean, <laughs> I mean when, you, when you realize that God is allowing you to be a father, I, I, don't, I don't know what to compare that to, you know? And then, on top of that, when you when it, when it seems that he's deemed you fit to be the stepfather to his son, that's, that's overwhelming. Um, he's, a, he's perfectly healthy, happy baby boy that um, came into the world, I guess, just like most every other kid, you know? Um, I, I get why they call it labor. <laughs> I, I mean, since I was 12, I've worked every day of my life, but I, I've never worked as hard as Mary worked that night. She was, she was amazing. And then not just that night, I mean, through all of it, through, through the months of people talking about us behind our back and um, the week-long journey to Bethlehem. And then... And then we get there, and she, she, she takes an ordinary feeding trough and, uh, and turns it into a cradle. And none of it seemed to phase her. She's amazing. And you know what, through, through all of it, I never heard her once ask why. Why? You know, she just... She just did everything God asked her to do. And if she didn't understand why things happened, she knew 
God was in control. She just, she, she, she followed his will. I, I get, I get it. Man, I get why God chose her. I really do. What I don't understand is why he chose me.
beloved and Christmas carols that we sing at this time of year. I imagine it was a silent night for the shepherds too until the angels burst onto the scene announcing the birth of the Messiah. These men I'm sure had some crazy stories to tell about their adventures while protecting the sheep but nothing could or ever would top the story of the night the angels visited the shepherds. We can find their story in the book of Luke, chapter 2. It reads, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. It was a night like any other night except for that angel. Ain't seen nothing like it before or since. Us shepherds, we don't get a lot of excitement out there on the pasture. But that angel, it was so bright, so beautiful. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Sam, you've been on that pasture just a little bit too long. And you'd be correct. But that all changed when that angel came right up to us. And the angel said, don't be afraid. I was like, too late. <laughs> and then the angel said, no, I wrote it down. I need to get this right. Hold on. Um, okay. The angel said, uh, milk, bread. No, that's my grocery list. Then, then the angel said, I have good news of a great joy that shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And then the angel said, He's lying in a manger, wrapped in cloth. Go find him. Okie dokie. So we're all sitting around, and then one of the shepherds, I think it was Steve, he's like, hey, what are we doing? Let's get out of here. Let's go to Bethlehem. So we hightailed it out of there, and we found that beautiful baby. I'll tell you, I was a different man after that. God chose me. nobody's ever chosen me for anything I'll never forget what that angel said though the angel said 
I bring good news to all people. That means you too. Song of hope.
the last character in tonight's story, the wise man. Now the wise men were men who watched and listened, and they studied the stars looking for answers. Now they had seen a star and decided that its importance warranted a trip to see where it ended. And what they found was the most surprising of all things, a baby, but not just any baby, the Messiah the one they had read about as they studied the ancient prophecies. Once they encountered him, they were compelled to worship him and gave their treasures and their hearts too. Are you like the wise man tonight? Have you been seeking something that is lasting? Just as God chose you, you too can choose God. Will you open your heart to him tonight and give him the treasure of your life? We find their story in Matthew chapter 2. Listen. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God had been silent for 400 years. We knew because we were listening, in a sense. My job, my job is to listen. You wouldn't call a person that talks a lot a wise man, would you? No, you'd call them many, many, many things, but a wise man wouldn't be one of them. My position is to look for signs everywhere. A star, for example. I can look at a star and watch it and wait and see what the star is trying to tell us. I read one time of a star that would announce a new king. And then one day, there it was, a beacon in the night, a star like, unlike any other star I'd ever seen before. And so I followed it. Several of us, we followed this star. It was bizarre. The star would lead, it would move, and we would follow. Our journey took two years, and it led us to Judea. And then the star stopped. It just stopped shining down over this small cottage. Our journey ended not at a palace for a king, but at a home for a peasant. This was it. I mean, we gathered our thoughts, we gathered our gifts, we did all that we could do to contain our emotion. 
And behind those doors was a new king. A king that could command the stars in the sky and yet chose to dwell among us. A king that spoke and the word became flesh. God was finished being silent. That night we knelt, we bowed down before this baby boy and each one of us laid gifts at his feet. We had to, we couldn't help it. 400 years of silence broken by the cries of the Son of God. We pray together. Jesus, we're so thankful for you tonight. We worship you. God, we love you. Thank you for coming to earth and for making a way for us. God, that you're writing our story, that you chose us. And so tonight, as we come to this moment 
of listening to your word, Father, would you speak to our hearts afresh and anew as we worship you, celebrating your birth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. And as I settle in, and you do as well, could I just ask you, I, I think probably your heart's where mine's at tonight, can you just join me in thanking the worship team and the tech team for just the time and energy they put into preparing this? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. The, the reality is, I, as I sat there, I, I was thinking to myself, that's the first time I've seen this. I've, I've listened to Scott of the team practice the first time I've seen it entirely through. And honestly, I was sitting there going, we could pray and I could go home and feel like I've been in the Christmas Eve service. But Scott told me to take about 15 minutes and try to bring it all together. So that's what I'm going to do with the best of my ability. And let me just get started like this. I, I think you would agree with me that our expectations shape our actions. Would you agree with that? Would, would you say that, yeah, you know what, what I expect often is it shapes my actions. And I really believe, I think you'd agree with this as well, that I don't think anyone or anything embodies that fact more than kids on Christmas Day, at least on Christmas Eve. I mean, moms and dads, the reality is that you're not going to have to work. And, and I'm saying this now as a grandfather, but I promise you, if you're just getting started, you're not going to have to work to get the kids up in the morning. They're going to they're gonna be, in fact, before you go to bed tonight, some of you will pray, like Claire and I did many, many times, please God, let them sleep at least until the sun comes up, right? I mean, that's the reality where we're at. And that's because our expectations shape our actions. Now, here's the thing, though. You take that same kid, those same children, and it's, it's, it's now time to go back to school after Christmas break. It's going to be an entirely different story, right? Why? Again, because expectations shape our actions. And, and the reality is there's a kid out there that doesn't believe that Christmas is far more exciting than school. No offense to those of you who are educators or teachers, but kids know they expect school to be not nearly as exciting as Christmas Day, and so they act accordingly. Now, given that, and guys, can I just ask you to bring up the lights for me, the house lights? These folks are looking good from what I could tell, and I just want to appreciate that this evening. So if you could just bring the lights up for me. But the reality is, now given that reality, here's what I want to ask you about expectations. What are you expecting this Christmas? I mean, just take a second and, and think about that. What are you expecting this Christmas? Now, I know, and again, looking around, I suspect some of you, even as I asked that question, you, you, your mind immediately went to the fact that you're going to have presents to unwrap tomorrow, and you're going to have time with the family. And so what you're expecting, even as I ask that question, you're expecting a joy-filled Christmas. Others of you, the reality is, I ask that question, you say, you know what, Jerry, I, 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 my mind went to the presents and dozens of presents and hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars I spent to buy Christmas gifts and goodies and tech, and my mind went to the credit card bill that's coming in January, and so I, I'm honestly expecting a bit of a stress-filled Christmas. Still others of us, we, our minds are sitting here in a Christmas Eve service, your mind went to the cooking the cleaning, the presents that still need to be wrapped when you get home tonight, and so you're expecting a work-filled Christmas. And finally, and I know this is true for some of us here tonight, our mind goes to those family members. It goes to those friends who aren't going to be with us this Christmas. And so the reality is you're expecting a grief-filled Christmas. Now, wherever you're at in that, and those all are appropriate and natural responses, many of us are experiencing all of those. 
But here's my question to you. Is that all we're expecting? Is that all we're expecting for Christmas? I mean, the reality is, and again, I've been a pastor almost for 30 years now, and I know for the reality is this for some of us. If we were to be honest about the question, we say yes. That's how I feel at least. Those things are what I'm expecting, a work-filled Christmas, a grief-filled Christmas, maybe a stress-filled Christmas. And that's why I want to talk, take some time, again, I've got about 10 minutes to talk to you about something I believe will help all of us as we gather around trees and tables, we gather around even major scenes over the next 24 hours. Because, folks, it's not enough for us to see Christmas the way Mary saw Christmas, or even the way Joseph saw Christmas. It's not enough for us to see Christmas the way the shepherds saw, or even the wise men saw it. If you and I want to experience the joy of Christmas, the peace of Christmas, the true meaning of Christmas, then folks, we need to see Christmas and, and Jesus' birth the way heaven saw it. Because I believe with all my heart, if we will see it the way heaven saw it, we will respond to it the way heaven responded. And so let's just do this real quick. If you have an outline, you can take it out or just follow along. It'll be up on the screen, but just listen as I read from Luke's gospel. Here's what he writes. That night, there were shepherds staying out the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, for I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born to you today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And so what I want you to notice and what I want to share with you tonight is the first thing heaven saw in all of that is it saw the gift of happiness, the gift of happiness. Because I want you to notice what the angel said first. He said, I'm bringing you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. In other words, the message was this. I'm bringing a message of encouragement, not discouragement. I'm bringing a message that intended, and God intends to lift you, not, not bring you down. And here's the reason I stress that. Here's the reason I'm pointing that out. Because the reality is many of us, many people, let me put it that way, maybe you're not true for you, but many, many people mistakenly see God as a cosmic killjoy. You know what I mean by that? And that's how I saw God before I finally came to know Jesus. I saw him as somebody who was sitting up in heaven just looking for ways to suck the joy and the happiness out of my life, to just make me miserable. And I want to tell you, I hope you've realized this, many of you do long before I did, but folks, that is a completely false perception of God. It's completely false. I mean, think about it from this perspective. Think about this as a parent. Again, let's go back to our kids. They're here with us tonight, and that's wonderful. But as a parent, I want you to imagine this for a second. One of your children comes to you and says, Mommy, Daddy, I love you. And I want to be the child that you want me to be. I want to be the son, the daughter you want me to be. Now, after you came to from fainting from that question, how would you respond to it? Would you look at that child, would you look at that son or daughter, and if they were teenagers, you probably would faint, but if, you, if, if they came to you and said that, would you look at them and say, you know what, I'm going to do all that I can do to make you regret that statement. I'm going to do all that I can do to make you miserable and happy about that statement. No, you wouldn't do that. You know why? And I know why. Because that's completely contrary to the heart of a loving father or a loving mother, isn't it? It's completely contrary. Now, here's the reason I share that. Because John tells us God is love. 
God is love. Now, notice he didn't say God is loving. In other words, God does loving things. God has loving feelings. No, he said God is love. In other words, God is the definition of love. God is the embodiment of love. If we went to the dictionary of the universe and looked up love, it would say, see God. That's what John's communicating. God is love. And that reality, though, folks, really highlights and, and, and really, really puts a spotlight on the problem many people face. And that problem is most of us, many of us, some of us, don't know the love of God. We truly don't know the heart of God. And so when someone talks about, someone like me stands on a platform, or someone sitting across a coffee shop table from you says something about, you know, you really need to get to know God. I really want to encourage you to, to come into relation with God. What you hear how, through all those words is this. You in your mind, I in my mind, before I came to know Jesus in a different way, equated that invitation with an invitation to let God make me miserable. Again, to take all the joy and the happiness out of my life. And I will tell you again, folks, that's a mistake. And it was a mistake, and I tell you it was a mistake, because I want you to hear what the grown-up Jesus said. 30 years after his birth, I want you to hear what Jesus himself said about that. He said, I came in order that you might have life, life in its fullness. In other words, what Jesus said is that the primary reason I understand my father sent me to earth on Christmas, I, that I was born in that manger, is because God wanted you to use me to make a way for you to enjoy life and not just endure it. He's saying, that's what I understand the Father sent me to do. So the first thing heaven saw, and I hope we see tonight, is that God sent a gift of happiness. Let me give you the second thing heaven saw. The second thing heaven saw was God's gift of hope. And the angel said this. The angel said, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born to you in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now let me just hit pause there real quick and just kind of tease something out. Because I hope you're asking the question if this is all new to you. If this is the Christmas story you've been familiar with, but this kind of discussion is new to you, then I hope you're asking, what in the world does that word Savior mean? What does it mean when the angel said, you know, Jesus was born to be our Savior? Well, in the fear of oversimplifying, I'm going to try to simplify it. And here it is, folks. Here, when, when the Bible talks about, when we talk about Jesus being our Savior, we're talking about involving three things. And here are the three things. First, forgiveness for our past. Those things that you carry, those things that I carry, that, we're, that fill us when we think about it with pain and shame and regret. The second thing it, it involves is giving us freedom from our present problems, our hurts, our hang-ups, those habits that continually, continually seem to defeat us. And the third thing is a future home in heaven. And so in other words, what we need to understand is when Jesus is our Savior, what it means, he gives us those three things. And we need to hear that. He gives them to us because we cannot get them on our own. In fact, if we try, folks, in other words, if we say to ourselves, you know, I, I don't need Jesus to deal with my past regrets, my past problems, my past brains. I don't need Jesus to help me with my present hangups or hurts, and I certainly don't need him to get help to get me to heaven. And folks, if we say that, God respectfully would say, okay, that's not what I want for you, that's not what I desire for you, but I will respect your choice. And then God will allow you, and he will allow me, and he did for 20-plus years of my life, let me try to do it all on my own. And if you've done that like I've done that, I'm going to tell you, eventually you come to the place where you are overwhelmed with fatigue, frustration, and a sense of failure. And it isn't because God's punishing us for saying, I don't need Jesus. No, why we experience that is because we are trying to do Jesus' job. We're trying to save ourselves. 
And the reality is, folks, you know that by now, I hope, and I finally know that myself, that none of us are cut out for that job. None of us even have, begin to have an inkling of capacity to pull that off. That's why heaven, when it looked at the birth of Jesus, saw God's gift of hope. Because through the angel's announcement, what, what heaven saw was God saying to you, saying to me, saying to the world, stop trying to save yourself and simply accept my gift of a Savior. Which is why John wrote this, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. In other words, John understood that Jesus was born to offer us genuine hope, genuine help, and that genuine help ultimately produces real, genuine hope. Well, let me give the final thing heaven saw, and that is he saw God's giving a gift of harmony, the gift of harmony. Let me read you the next thing that Luke wrote in his gospel, his account of the birth of Jesus. He said, the angels were joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and praise on earth to all those whom God is pleased. Here, here's what the angel is trying to communicate at that point. The angel is trying to say to them, and they're saying to us, God's plan for you, God's plan for us, is to not only enjoy peace with him, but to enjoy peace with other people. And yet here's a reality that all of us are aware of if we put more than a few years under our belly on Christmas family get-togethers. Christmas season, the Christmas time, has a way of stressing our relationships right or at least revealing the stress in a relationship because invariably all of us end up in rooms with people that we have relational strife relational difficulty and the reality is when we're with those folks with unresolved conflicts unresolved issues we we have the opportunity to discover this incredible gift that god gave us because what God did is he sent us a way to tear down those walls, to break down those barriers, to restore our relationships. And that solution, that answer, was Jesus. But I hope you're asking, well, how in the world did Jesus do that? And there's only one way. And, and the way Jesus does that is Jesus helps us make peace with God. And when you and I truly begin to experience peace with God, do you know what begins to happen, folks? We're, we're able to experience and make peace with other people. That's how it works. I first experienced the peace of God, and when I had the peace of God and with God, then suddenly I could begin to experience and have peace with other people. Now I say that, and I don't want to say that flippantly, and I know I don't have much time, but let me just hit pause there, because even as I say that, and I share that kind of step, the biblical step, some of you are saying that's easy for you to say. Because you don't know what he did to me. You don't know what she did to me. You don't know how much hurt or harm they've caused in my life. And you're right, I don't, but I do know this, folks. That's why God sent Jesus. Because the reality is, you know what I know, and what you're expressing with that frustration, and I get it, I've been there. But what we're expressing with that frustration is we're expressing the fact that we recognize that human love and forgiveness has limits, right? And see, that's why God sent Jesus, because God's love expressed through the person of Jesus, made available to us, has no limit. It's limitless. And so what we need to understand, and what God was giving, and the angels saw and heaven saw at that first Christmas, is that if we ask Jesus, he will love people through us. In other words, he will enable us to love the very people that we, in our own power, in our own strength, find unlovable. That was part of the gift. That gift not only of happiness, of hope, but also of harmony, relational harmony. So let me review. Here's what heaven saw. 
when it looked at Jesus and saw the birth, what the angel was declaring is they saw God's answer to our lack of happiness and our sense of helplessness and our broken relationships. And all of us experience those things. But here's the good news. If we open ourselves to seeing Christmas, to seeing Jesus the way heaven saw Jesus, then like the angels, you know what? We too will be filled with joy. We too will be filled with peace. We too will overflow, I don't know a better way to say it, than with praise to God. So let me end where I begin, folks. What do you see this Christmas? What do you see sitting here right now? Do you see the gifts? Do you see the upcoming gatherings? Do you see that dreaded January credit card bill? What do you see this Christmas? Do you see the stress? Do you see the busyness? Do you see the loneliness because of the loss of a loved one? Do you see those things that this season can bring, or do you see what heaven saw? Do you see the happiness and the hope and the relational healing that Jesus can bring? My prayer for you, as it is for me and for my family tonight and, and going forward the rest of this year, is I pray our eyes are open. Open to see what heaven saw because folks when we see what heaven saw then i promise you we will find ourselves responding like heaven responded by saying in our hearts and with our lips and undoubtedly with our lives glory to god in the highest let's pray heavenly father thank you for helping us see tonight through these videos through songs through this incredible presentation by the worship team and the tech team that you sent Jesus to be the one true source of happiness and hope and harmony in our lives. And so, Father, in faith, for some of us, for the very first time, we receive the gift of your Son with gratitude and gladness. For others of us, Father, we receive in renewed way with deep gratitude and gladness the fact that you have sent him for us. For when we see what heaven saw in the gift of Jesus, we recognize that we cannot help but respond the way heaven did with worship, praise, and generosity. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jerry, thank you so much for that message tonight. So Jesus wants to give you that gift. It's Christmas. He wants to give you that gift of himself. Would you like that gift of happiness, hope, and harmony. The Bible talks about the peace of Christ that passes all understanding. You could have that tonight. Um, you remember I told you in the beginning that you are already chosen. Jesus just is waiting for you to choose him, and you can do that tonight. That gray card that I told you about in the beginning, on the back of that card are some places there uh, that maybe you're, you are, have questions about how do I have that peace with Christ. You can check those boxes. We would love to reach out to you, give you resources, talk with you, whatever it is that you might need to help you um, in that journey with Jesus. You'll also find in the online chat, uh, there will be a spot there as well. There will be a, a connection card available for you as well that you can fill out that information. But we would love to connect with you in that way and help you, like I said in the beginning, that um, connecting people with God and one another, that's our mission, that's our purpose here at Peckway Church, and so that's what we'd like to be able to do for you. I also said at the beginning that tonight we were going to be worshiping, but we were also going to be giving, and at this time of the year, 
where we talk about giving, where Christmas is that spirit of generosity, you have that also available to, to you to, tonight. We've partnered with um, Mardic Pantry and Conestoga Food Bank, and so our Christmas offering this year is going to go to help those, uh, those uh, resources or give resources to those uh, the pantry and the bank to be able to help provide food for people who are in need. So you can do that in person tonight. There's envelopes at the back of the room that you can write that out. Just be sure to write Christmas offering on your, uh, if it's a check or on the envelope so that we can uh, properly designate that for you as well. And then online, there's going to be a give link in the chat window there uh, as well. And so, but just a reminder uh, that we talked about the wise men and how they gave of their treasure. I'm also reminded of a, of a Bible story that talks about the widow's might that even though uh, all these people were giving such big financial gifts all around her, she gave all that she had. She gave a mite is what it said. And so I know at Christmas it can be tough sometimes, but if you feel that tug on your heart, that's God doing that, and he's wanting you to give. So I would encourage you, obey him tonight to do that. I appreciate your time and that you've given us this uh, overtime. And so the way I want to end tonight uh, is for our candle lighting, that we're going to sing Silent Night together. And uh, so I want to encourage us with two scriptures before we do that. Uh, this is Isaiah 9-2 in the Old Testament. It says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And then in the New Testament, it says this about light. It says that the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And I think I just read that one already. And so somehow I've got those mixed up. But it talks about we are the light of the world. And that uh, a candle or a light that's been uh, lit when it's on a hill or you place it on something, you don't put a cover over it, but you let it shine. And that's what we are to do as people of God. We're to let our light shine to those around us. And so as we do that with our candles tonight, let that be a reflection of the message that we've heard tonight. And let that be the story we tell this Christmas season. So would you stand and join us and go ahead and turn your candle on as we gather.